Hello, you're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. John 19, reading from verse number 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. There was set set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge of vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. We know from Matthew's gospel that this cry, this saying, follows the Lord's words, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. It is after things were accomplished, he is acknowledging the sense of being forsaken of his father. And then he says this in verse 28, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, he saith, I thirst. Undoubtedly, The physical agonies of the cross are taking the toll upon the humanity of our Savior. He's suffering that physical agony, the expression of physical thirst. And so there is a vessel full of vinegar, verse number 29. Some of that is put upon a a sponge and then using the hyssop branch. Again, various ideas how that was used. Uh, Perhaps almost the branch is acting like a basket. Again, the sponge placed into the hyssop, lifted up upon uh, the mouth of our Lord. Now, this vinegar is not the same as was mingled with gall. The Lord refused that, and that which is ease is pain. Uh, this is a, a vinegar that was likely used in some form by the Roman authorities. Some suggest it may have been used uh, to stop some blood flow to prolong the agony of the cross. You see, we're not seeing here any act of compassion. There was no compassion from the Romans on the cross. Here we are seeing some sort of bitter, sour vinegar rather than water. Vinegar that would have even perhaps some also suggest some fluid would again have been used to prolong the agony of those suffering upon the cross. Yet, as we know in all that Christ did, this act is being used of God to fulfill the scriptures. The Roman authorities They do not understand, they are not cognizant of their actions, yet fulfilling and encouraging our faith. And so that's the first thing we should see in this saying. We should see the Lord once more fulfilling Scripture. John is explicit, verse number 28 again, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Now, what you won't see in the English version here is that there's a different word used here by John than that used by Matthew in his gospel. Many times in Matthew's gospel, he refers to the scriptures being fulfilled. Now, the word used by John here has almost a sense of the scriptures being completed. It is like the Lord was aware that there was part of the scriptures that had yet to be completed. There was one prophecy that had yet to come to pass, and knowing that, he then utters these words, I thirst, to thereby precipitate the action of the soldiers 
who then in turn would fulfill the Scriptures. There are so many wonderful things to see in this. Again, no less to see the fact that the Lord, even in the midst of all His agony, is in full control of His mental faculties. Others out of their mind in pain, yet our Lord is in possession of his faculties, understands the scriptures, remembers the scriptures, and acts in a way that the scriptures would thus be fulfilled. Now, what scriptures? Well, some would take you back, and correctly, I believe, to the 22nd Psalm. Turn back to the Psalm 22. The 22nd Psalm and the verse number 15. You know, of course, this Psalm. And the connection, the Lord has just uttered the words of this psalm from the cross. The verse number one, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The entire psalm, it, rever- it reverbs with the agonies of the cross, the sufferings of our Savior. And you go down to verse number 15. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And the physical agony of thirst as part of our Lord's sufferings on the cross, who has brought me into the dust of death. Dogs have compassed me. The idea of the, the Gentile authorities coming round him, piercing his hands and his feet as they will do, telling all his bones, looking and staring upon him, parting his garments. All the Roman authorities in the context of the Lord suffering this unbelievable thirst. But if that is part of the fulfillment, it is even more likely that Psalm 69 is being referred to here, the Psalm 69. And here you'll see why I'm suggesting that the Lord's cry, I thirst, was used by the Lord to so precipitate the action of the authorities, thereby fulfilling the verse 15 of the Psalm, they gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Now you see a, a direct psalm that is, uh, of course, being fulfilled at this time. Oh, the Lord's life, it fulfills all the scriptures. Of course, all the types and shadows are fulfilled by the Lord coming as the Lamb of God, bearing, taking away our sin. And yet there's also all of these very direct words of prophecy that are being fulfilled by the Savior the Lord's thirst on the cross, his expression of that thirst, is yet another confirmation that Jesus is the long-promised Messiah, the only Redeemer of God's elect, the suffering servant of Jehovah. And so you look closely at John 19 again, keeping in mind the Psalm 69, but John 19 reminds us that in extreme agony, Having borne the wrath of God, the Lord knows the Scriptures must be fulfilled. It's worth, I think, at least suggesting, if I can put it in these words, the Lord allows himself to experience this thirst. The Lord spoke the word in creation, and waters are made. He was able to bring waters out of a rock to sustain an entire nation. To suffer thirst from our Lord is akin to him not turning the stones into bread in the wilderness. Nothing hinders the Lord, if you can say it this way, in terms of his own resource and power to create water and so satisfy his thirst. He permits himself voluntarily to suffer this experience. 
in order that Scriptures would be fulfilled. Now you say, well, he permits all this to be our Savior. Amen. Of course he does. But he also permits all this to take place. That my faith and your faith would be strengthened. That we would see as we examine the Savior, here is the one long promise. Here is the one that fills the Scriptures. And that our trust in him would be grounded upon the most reliable of evidence. His thirst is expressed not so much out of a cry and a desire for relief, but that the word would be fulfilled. You see, when the Lord, and we've seen this in our studies, when the Lord shows his commitment to die for us, he is committed to pay the price of our sins. But alongside that commitment, that resolve, is the resolve that all of his people would come to believe that he is who he says he is. He's committed to your faith. Committed that you would have faith. Committed that you would have faith and that faith would be strong. He's committed that you do not live in doubt and unbelief but that you are settled in your mind that this man is your Savior. You see, we come to the table today. You're going to be offered again the bread and the cup. You're going to be offered those things to take them. And as you take them, the encouragement is that you would take them by faith. And by faith implies that you believe that that bread represents the body of a real man. That the cup represents the blood of a real man. And that bread and that cup, that body and that blood of that real man is the one that you would testify to be the saviour of your soul. And so where is your faith settled in? It's in the word of God. The word of God that is fulfilled in the person of Christ. Knowing the scriptures must be fulfilled, he says, I thirst. And so you see another, uh, another little piece of evidence in the building picture of all the evidence That this man, Jesus, is the only Savior. And thus, your unbelief again, if you're here in unbelief, your unbelief is not through lack of evidence. It is because you choose not to believe what God says in his word. But for those of us who do believe, our faith is again strengthened today. For the scriptures were fulfilled. Jesus was offered vinegar to drink in fulfillment of Psalm 69 and verse number 21. The Lord fulfills the scriptures. Secondly, the Lord functions as our substitute. You see, when I hear the words of Christ here, I thirst, I remember, first of all, he has taken my likeness. He is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. I need to know that. You need to know that today. It's vital that you see that the one upon the cross is a a real man. True humanity. For if he is not true humanity, then he is not a suitable substitute for our sins. Man sinned, and man must pay the penalty of their sins. And so for Christ to be our substitute, to be our mediator, he he must come, he, he must take our likeness. And as he takes our likeness, therefore he dies, as we often say, as the second Adam. And as in Adam all die, even so Christ shall all be made alive. You see, as our Lord approaches his imminent death, 
he utters words that express the physiological yearning for life. It's one of the best-known survival facts that man can survive only for about three days without water. Water essential for life. The sensation for thirst here, of thirst, is a sensation for water, for life, for human life. The Lord's humanity was sustained the same way your humanity is sustained, through bread and water. His human flesh is not strengthened, if you like, by deity imparting something unusual to his humanity. There's no mingling of the natures in that regard. And so we're seeing here again the distinction of the two natures. His humanity is a real humanity suffering a thirst that God could never suffer. And so we see our Lord in his agonies. He will soon say, it is finished. And the words, when he says, I thirst, is a reminder to us that the Lord is experiencing the infirmities of our humanity. The Lord voluntarily taking on our humanity with its incumbent weaknesses and needs. It is a remarkable picture again of the Lord's humiliation. He took the form of a servant. He was rich and made poor. And we through his, like thirst, may never thirst. He has taken my likeness and he's also taken my curse. You see, Christ experiencing thirst is not simply an evidence of true humanity. The very experience of thirst is in part a manifestation of the curse. I say that for a couple of reasons, but primarily because in Revelation chapter 7, those who are described as being before the throne of God will never hunger, hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. And the picture in Revelation chapter 7 is the picture of the redeemed enjoying the removal of every consequence of sin. They are now a redeemed and a glorified people, and part of their redemption is to never experience thirst. Now you say, well, that might be spiritual. And I say there's probably a good degree of truth in that, and we'll say that in a few moments. But nonetheless, we should see that in some way or other, this thirst picture, this thirst sensation, even this thirst metaphor is used by God to point us in the direction of the curse and the fall. Man's fall into sin has profound consequences, and Christ suffered those consequences in life and death. Again, we take the encouragement he's touched with a feeling of our infirmities. I want to say something that you may need to know and store away in advance. There may come a point in your experience where you enter the very last hours of life. And that experience may be such that you can barely utter words to express your need. But any of you who will have sat around a deathbed scene will understand that one of the profound challenges of death, approaching death, is that of thirst. The dry mouth. And some people can't express that, and perhaps that might be you in your last hours. You'll be lying on your bed and you'll be experiencing profound thirst. At such a time, I pray that by God's grace, you'll be able to come back to this message 
And you'll remember by God's grace, your Lord and Savior said, I thirst. And he's touched with a feeling of your infirmities. And at that point of need in your life, in those last few hours of life, as you contemplate the horrors of your own thirst, remember your Savior thirsted upon the cross in his last days. And he will therefore give you grace, the grace that you need to sustain you in a time of need. Now, those of us who are drinking water aplenty and barely ever know real thirst, we may struggle to enter into that. But one day we may enter into that. And at that point, it is essential that we do not succumb to unbelief, but remember our Savior was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But there's more than even that. You see, this physical thirst is a manifestation of man's suffering under the wrath of God, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I thirst. And surely our minds must go to Luke chapter 16. And the account there of the rich man in torments. And as he describes the torments of the wrath of God in hell, remember, in spirit, not in body. As a disembodied soul in the torments of hell, the picture is used, the story is told. He cries out to Abraham. He asks that he would dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. The agony of being under the wrath of God expressed in this picture of profound and extreme agony of thirst, desiring his tongue to be cooled. So the Lord, the Lord has said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We, we studied that in our Luke studies. We, we saw something of the nature of that. The darkness was the wrath of God descends upon our Savior. He suffers hell on our behalf. Therefore, surely for him to say, I thirst. Well, of course, he's come through the experience of the wrath of God. I am not, I am not spiritualizing a physical sensation of Christ here. The scripture was fulfilled. Those who heard the Lord's cry, they got the vinegar, they put the vinegar to his mouth with the hyssop. But if you turn back once more to the 69th Psalm, you will see that in the context of them giving vinegar to drink, there are the words that express the Lord's experience at that time. The Psalm 69, Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Hide not thy face from thy servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. Draw nigh unto my soul and redeem it. Deliver me because of mine enemies. Again, when you see the word redeem there, you should see the sense of rescue here. Not the Lord required redemption, but this idea of redemption being used as an act of deliverance. And the Lord says, verse 19, Thou hast known my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. Mine adversaries are all before me. Reproach hath broken my heart. I am full of heaviness. I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Do you see the Lord's experience here? He's thirsting for the presence of the Lord. Verse number 17. Hide not thy face from thy servant. See, realizing this helps us to understand how 
the Lord taking the curse of our sin is indeed the entrance into us enjoying the gospel promises. Remember how the Lord expressed it to the lady at the well? Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Never have the experience of wanting our tongues cooled in the agony of the wrath of God because Christ bore our agonies for us. And as he comes out of that experience and says, I thirst, he's longing for the nearness of the presence of God. And that is, that is how we never thirst. Because we have the assurance of always knowing the presence of our God. No more spiritual thirst. Because Christ has come and enables us to enjoy this communion with God. Christ himself, of course, is that water of life. The Lord gives it. We live not by drinking water, but by trusting in Christ. But we live and have life and never thirst because he died and suffered thirst on our behalf. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.